Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Okay, we're all in take five. Hook them up with he and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on The Horn. Texas OU week, and the Longhorns are 5-0, and the Sooners are 5-0, and and life is good. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a great week. I don't know if you've looked forward, though, Rod, because uh, you've been doing doing baby duty. Congrats to you and Mel and uh, all that went on last week to change y'all's life. A little bundle of joy. Oh, yeah. But uh, Saturday in Dallas, high temperature, 71 degrees. 71 oh, degrees. Fall. High temperature in Austin. Mm. 72 degrees. Ah, thank God, Father. Which means when you're at the Cotton Bowl Saturday. It's a beautiful thing. Or you're joining us at, uh, as we told you, Friday afternoon, we're going to be doing a live watch event and roundtable conversation at Terry Black's Barbecue in downtown Big D, Dallas. That's right. Right on Main Street. Our friends from inside Texas will come on out. I'll be out there. We're going to be having some great food and uh, some cold Bud Lights and getting you ready for the game. So come on out and join us there. Our friend uh, Richard Strever and his team at One Source Gas helping us get there and make that thing happen, which we're excited about. But uh, when we're sitting, how about this, 72 for the high on Sun on Saturday, Rod, which means in the morning when you're going out to the fair and you're drinking out of the uh, mm-hmm. wax oh, yeah. cups of uh, you need Bud a jacket. Light, you're going to need a pullover. A light jacket. Mm-hmm. Uh, your boy over here is getting you ahead of it because you might have buried those pullovers. You don't know where they are. It's, uh, been, it's been about six months of, of uh, blazing oh, yeah. heat. You Actually, know, I wear pillows all the time, so I know where mine are. You know where yours are. <laughs> but uh, pull out the long sleeves because you're going to need it. And then right about game time, you get in the sun, you'll probably pull it off. And, uh, man, mm. the last several, if memory serves, the last several Texas OU games have been really hot. And Thank everybody comes out sunburned. This one's going to be 72 and sunny. What more could you ask for than uh, this and this matchup? The final two undefeated is, teams. Yeah. Oh, and CB did send, send us a note that Oklahoma wasn't undefeated in 2009 when they met. Yeah, they were 3-2. and two. Yeah. So, man, I guess you got to go yeah, way back to find both teams undefeated. When both teams undefeated. Maybe 2011 was the 2011 time. was the last one that you found? Because remember, we, Mac Brown's team 2011 was 4-0. They weren't 5-0. They were 4-0, and then they lost OU that year, and then mm-hmm. they ended up losing five games in 2011. But, um, I mean, I think it's fair, fair no, to say right, that— Oklahoma uh, was, yeah. They were undefeated then, too. Yeah, if you go back to 2009 when Texas went to the Natty, that was a 3-2 and Oklahoma team. 08, last time they were both— yeah, Highly ranked. Oklahoma started six and zero that year. Yeah, they did. And, in two thousand eleven, um, I mean, sorry. And oh eight, obviously Oklahoma, Texas. That was the national, you know, whatever. Let's not relive yeah. oh eight, but so, um, yeah. What what a week it's going to be. Thank you to uh, Richard Strever, the team at One Source Gas. Uh, find them online at onesourcegasatx.com for all of your compressed gas needs. They're going to help us up there for our watch party on Friday, which we're already looking forward to. I want you to make a plan to join us there Friday afternoon with your friends at the Horn and inside Texas and getting this ready. We're also talking Texas football, also the big weekend, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Mm. And uh, Rod is going to take us behind the burnt orange curtain. How did the Longhorns uh, 
put on this dominating performance Saturday. Let's recap it quickly, get you caught up uh, here, you folks, in the 8 o'clock hour. All the news of a busy weekend. Top Gun, Reynolds and Lawn Equipment bring it to you. Yeah, Longhorns 40-14. to Take down previously unbeaten Kansas at DKR. Longhorns still third ranked in the AP poll released yesterday, but they did pick up 10 first place votes now. That's an improvement. They're about 10 points total behind in second ranked Michigan. Georgia remains number one. Poll ranking in early October hardly matters. Posting wins week to week. An improvement is what head coach Steve Sarkeesian is looking for. I'm pleased with, with the way we're playing. You know, there's no there's no doubt. I think we've played some pretty good teams, you know, that uh, we're getting faced with different styles of opponents week in and week out, and we're responding to the challenges. I'm very, very pleased at the maturity of our team because I think that's what uh, accept the next challenge the next week, put forth the work, and then go out and perform. Um, and you have to continue to improve. You know, championship teams get better during the season, and I think that that's something that we've been able to do here through five weeks. Also yesterday, ESPN College Game Day announced they'll be live at the Cotton Bowl for this week's Red River Shootout. Um, they'll be set up there right there on the fairgrounds. Also from college football, major props to first-year head coach G.J. Kenny and his Texas State Bobcats. Eat them up. They improved to 4-1 and one with a big win at Southern Miss on Saturday, 50-36. to 36. Uh, Big Sunday in the NFL. Cowboys obliterate the New England Patriots 38-3. Worst loss in Patriot head coach Bill Belichick's career of his three decades headed to the Hall of Fame. Never had a loss that bad. Deron Bland returned one of his two picks for a touchdown. Leighton Van Der Esch scored a touchdown for the Cowboys defense after a Dante Fowler strip sack. Cowboys get the victory in their three and one now. Equally impressive down in Houston, Texans put an exclamation point on J.J. Watt's celebration day. They had an emphatic 30-6 win over the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're now 2-2. Two and two. Rookie quarterback C.J. Stroud for, for, threw for 306 and two touchdowns. Houston defense was outstanding as well. Other marquee matchups yesterday. How about in Buffalo? Josh Allen, four touchdowns through the air, one on the ground. Lead Buffalo to a statement win over the previously unbeaten Dolphins, 48-20. In San Francisco, the Niners remained undefeated. They thrashed uh, the Arizona Cardinals 35-16. Only other 4-0 team in the league is Philadelphia. Eagles survived Washington yesterday 31-28 in overtime. Sunday night football last night with Taylor Swift in the building. The Chiefs held off the Jets 23-20. Monday night football tonight to wrap up week four. Giants back in that same building hosting Seattle. Major League Baseball, the playoffs are set following the final day of the regular season as we thought. They needed each and every game all the way to the end to finalize it. Baltimore Orioles are the number one and top overall seed in the AL. The Houston Astros have snuck into the two seeds. Went 5-1 and one in their final week on the road there, including a three-game sweep in Arizona over the weekend. And they clinched the AL West for the fifth time in six years with an 8-1 victory. Rangers clinched the sixth seed with their win on Saturday. But they had a chance to win that division and couldn't close it yesterday. They beat, they lose to Seattle 2-1-0. to uh, one to nothing. Uh, they're going to be the sixth seed, but they went three and four, uh, three and four record in the final week, and tumbled to six. That means they're going to face uh, travel to Tampa for a best of three wild card series with the Rays this week. Baltimore, excuse me, Minnesota will host Toronto in the other AL wild card. Baltimore and Houston will be off Saturday and then face the winners uh, until Saturday. Uh, also uh, in the NBA, big trade, Damian Lillard. Uh, after the uh, the Trailblazers traded Damian Lillard to Milwaukee last week, they have now traded a key piece of that deal. Portland has sent Drew Holiday to Boston for center Robert Williams, guard Malcolm Brogdon, a couple of first-round draft picks. And in the MLS, Austin FC fell to 12th place in the Western Conference. 1-0 loss to Colorado Saturday night. They're winless in 10 straight. Horn Headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. Halloween here is scarier than an OU cheerleader without makeup. Nothing scarier than missing out on employee pricing on all our zero-turn mowers this month at Top Gun. TopGun.net will shoot you straight. Uh, The Longhorns' uh, offense is so potent. 
uh, that even with an injury to JT Sanders and even with red zone issues, they still end up scoring 40 points. They just, they, they, it, and I've said this, I said this in the rant, they are truly a second half team. I think we're starting to see that they can make, not only make adjustments, um, you know, at halftime and make adjustments in the second half, but man, once they, once those adjustments are made, you're not seeing the opponents counter very often. It seems like that's usually uh, Texas. That's a that's a death blow. <laughs> yeah. uh, that when Texas makes their adjustment, they're able to finish off their opponent and then separate from their opponent. Um, so I know people aren't comfortable with it, but like I said, it's you know one time is an outlier, two times is coincidence, three times is a pattern, four times is a trend, five times is habitual. Four of the five games this year, this team has separated in the second half, and they've been it's been a relatively close, competitive. First half, and then they separate. I think that's who they are, and I, I honestly, I got, no, I got no problem with that. Actually, I I applaud it. I think I celebrate it because I mean, Sark Sark's uh, off season emphasis worked because yeah. his emphasis was we got to be better in the second half. We got to be better in the fourth quarter. Right now, they're a top ten second half scoring team in college football, and also a top ten fourth quarter uh, scoring team in college football. Uh, I have a cut from Sark on that very topic of how explosive they are, even with J.T. Sanders got rolled up on. Yep. Uh, when I was doing the Inside Texas Watch Along uh, broadcast, I thought because I, I saw somebody's leg get rolled on, and I thought it was Jonathan Brooks. And I said, well, man, I hope, I hope Jonathan's okay. Looked like somebody got rolled up there. Mm-hmm. And it turned out to be J.T. Sanders because oh, yeah. he was getting tackled, and it was he Ooh. and the KU defender who fell bad. on J.T. And the fact that, you know, even in the third quarter, he was kind of running and trying to loosen it up, and they just said, you know what, better, better part of battle. Let's just get ready for next week. They think J.T. is going to be okay. But Sark was then asked about A.D. Mitchell's big game, 10 catches, you know, 100, over 100 yards, touchdowns. Uh, but here's Sark saying and saying something you say all the time, Rod. That you know the mathematical equation problem that they present. If you're gonna you know see on film that we got to stop number one, right? X Man's got to be our focus. Mm-hmm. We got other dudes that can win. And here's Sark on uh, the dynamic nature of this offense. Today was a great example. You know, Xavier continues to garner so much attention, and um, when when you can have another receiver opposite him catch ten balls for 141. Uh, and then all of a sudden, Xavier, we, we keep trying to find ways to get him completions and find one-on-one, and it's seven attempts to Xavier, and he catches seven balls. You know, when that number a year ago never really used to look like that. You know, for Xavier to catch seven balls last year, it would take about 14 or 15 attempts in his direction because everybody knew we had to throw it there. So now all of a sudden, when you have a complimentary receiver on the other side, I think sooner or later people are going to start paying more attention to number five. And then, and now with, the, with JT and with, with Jordan and now the running game with, with Jonathan running the way he's running, now we've got a, a really good variety of players that that ball can get spread around to. Yeah, I mean, they, they simply – and now with Jonathan Brooks playing so well and the running game finding its groove and the running game finding some continuity and consistency – it is truly a mathematical equation you cannot solve. You cannot double X-Man. You can't double. You can't roll coverage to X-Man, keep a safety over the top of JT Sanders, and put eight in the box. You just you can't do it. you got to pick which one of those. You, gotta, you can do two out of three, but you can't do all three. And if you don't, that means somebody's going to be man-to-man and wide open. Not wide open, but man-to-man. A.D. Mitchell was wide open because if he's man-to-man, he can beat it consistently. Jay Witt's going to be man-to-man. And that's how Sark has constructed this offense. 
And that's why it is one of the most lethal offenses in all of college football right now. Yeah, and the defense uh, played really well, too. Gave up yeah. two big explosives. Other than that, they just threw a blanket over that Kansas team. And look, they caught a break. Third time, they're facing a backup quarterback. I mean, that's uh, sometimes you got to get, you know, rather be lucky than good, right? I think Texas is good, and they've been lucky. Three straight. Uh, three straight times. Three straight. How does having three straight games? That's weird. I mean, and all were kind of late last minute. Like, we weren't sure what the Wyoming situation yeah, was. Right. And I guess we knew Blake Shapin wasn't going to play. Yeah, but we knew that. But even against Baylor, Blake Shapin went out there and kind of warmed up with Baylor because mm-hmm. he was only about a week away, and he played last week or this past Saturday. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, look, Dylan Gabriel, this Oops. Oklahoma game, that'll be the best quarterback they face without a doubt. Yeah, that's why I, I'm looking forward to the test because I do think the Texas defense is legit. It's a real deal. They need to wrap him in bubble wrap between now and Saturday. <laughs> yeah, they need to protect him. Put him, up. <laughs> put him up in some hotel room in the suite <laughs> yeah. and just have bodyguards. Yeah, well, no doubt about it. Uh, but I, I, I think he, I, Dylan Gabriel's a real deal, too. We know that. His system with Jeff Levy, he's familiar with it, played with it, uh, played in it, I should say, in, in Central uh, UCF. So he's he's got really a an intimate knowledge of this system, and he plays like his best offense in the Big 12 statistically, but Texas is the best defense in the Big 12 statistically, and neither one of them have been tested to the extent they will be tested on Saturday. I love it. It'll be the best test for both sides. I can't wait to watch it. And, by the way, Dylan Gabriel... He likes to throw the deep ball. He he's, does. He's good at throwing a deep ball. We'll, we'll introduce he, you because they made yeah. a lot of changes at Oklahoma he from likes year to, throw to year. A, deep ball. a lot yeah. of transfer portal additions, and they haven't yeah. played one of those big marquee games. So you kind of kind of dig on what what Oklahoma oh, is all about. Yeah. Uh, so we'll we'll get to you right. You got all week, and Rod will take us behind the burn orange curtain here coming up bottom of the hour. A couple of the other thoughts from around the uh, the sports headlines. Cowboys just I mean they they've played three games that are unwatchable, Rod. I mean it's almost like because they're so good. Like it's not like but I mean I, I need something because you can just tell Mac Jones was beaten. Just like Daniel Jones had been beaten on uh, week one and mm. Zach Wilson beaten. I mean yeah. they, they are very impressive. They're still they're dealing with no Trevon Diggs this time, and then Micah Parsons took an injury on on Saturday on Sunday, and they still I mean these are these are NFL players, Rod. And they're like, amazing. they have no yeah. hope. And I also thought, we got a text from one of our, our listeners. We appreciate the uh, the participation on our new text line number, 447-3776. This says, guys, I was, the, I was at the Texans game yesterday. I was very surprised to see how bad the Steelers looked. And I found out they really don't like Mike Tom. Well, I, oh. I, I mean, Houston <sighs> took it too. Here's the one thing I've seen from Houston Dang, from Houston's the beginning. Just, yeah. They, 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 they take, they're taking on the, the role of their coach. They play Smart defense. They win the line of scrimmage, and even with four backup offensive linemen, Rod, they were. This is what you love about you love coaches, right? Solve the problem. Coaching problem solver. Bobby Slowick has a problem. The offensive coordinator. He's got three or four injured offensive linemen. But if you watch this game yesterday, T.J. Watt did not have an impact. Uh, Highsmith on the other side did not have an impact. Minka Fitzpatrick didn't have an impact in the game. Their, the play calling was to a point, and I'm sure Mike Tomlin wasn't pleased with his best three defensive players and their their performance, but at the same time, the Texans are kind of coaching around it with the play calling, C.J. Stroud's ability to get the ball out quick, Nico Collins is coming on, Damian Pierce had his best game, and then on defense, I mean, they're just playing really, really good for Nico Ryans, and this is something to, to keep an eye on. They're now 2-2, two and two. and, you know, they... They they feel like that that game with Baltimore was a good game until it got away from them. The Colts game went home. So Houston improving week to week as you hear Sark say that. So like seeing that Cowboys, we'll see what they're all about this week at San Francisco, man. Uh, yeah, with CJ Stroud, he's just 
I mean, he's got enough of the it quality. You sure can does. see it. You can see it now, and it's pretty obvious. The stats show that he's thrown for uh, the mo- the second most yards for any quarterback in their first four starts. Only Cam Newton's had had more. But as you talked about it, I would li- I got to go back and look at that Cam Newton uh, team, that Cam Newton Panthers team, and find out if they if they had potentially the worst makeshift offensive line in those first four games. Because there is no question, C.J. Stroud's been playing behind one of the worst, if not the worst, O-line in the league. And not because the starters are bad, because all the starters are out. So they've been playing makeshift guys and guys from the practice squad, and they've been doing a really good job of being able to put him in in good situations. And, and this is a process. Early on, they were trying to run more of the Shanahan offense. They were playing uh, some uh, t- 21 personnel, a lot of 21 personnel, trying to run more power sets and heavy sets and run the football. And Damian Pierce wasn't – he didn't start really hot this year, even though he's one of the best young rookie running backs in the NFL last season. He didn't start hot, so they started running more spread sets, and that's where C.J. Stroud shines. It's in the spread sets because he gets the ball out quickly. If you're going to run heavy sets, that's going to be long developing routes down the field. You're going to run spread sets, he gets the ball out quickly, and that actually is advantageous to him, and it fits his skill set, which is accuracy and his rhythm. He's a rhythm passer. So I I really enjoy watching C.J. Stroud. I enjoy him in his but this ain't the. This is not the Shanahan Bobby Sloick system that he wants to run. But what I always say about uh, football, football and life are constant, both of them constant struggles, deciding between what you want to be and what you need to be. And the Texans need to be uh, C.J. Stroud friendly offense, not right now. And that's not necessarily the Shanahan offense. And I'm glad Sloick made that determination. Well, when they get four offensive linebacks, maybe they can go back to some power could, principles exactly. and run maybe the ball. Maybe then, yeah. Uh, they just can't right now. But think about this: with four backup offensive linemen, Rod. And a two and one Steeler team. This wasn't like some chump Pittsburgh team that came in. They had just beaten the Raiders mm-hmm. on Sunday Night Football last week and, mm-hmm. and dominated that game. The Texans at home double doubled the yardage output of the Steelers. They put up 451 total yards. CJ Stroud threw for 306 and two touchdowns without a pick again. He still hadn't thrown a pick in his young career in four games. And they held the Steelers to 225. That's yep. a dominant performance. I mean, of all the things we saw Sunday. You and I are both Texans fans, so but but that that was maybe the most surprising thing. It is, but to, to not just beat I, the Steelers, but dominate the Steelers—that's rough. It, it, the Steelers' defense—that is surprising because Steelers they have a defensive culture. That's just and Mike yeah. Tomlin is a defensive guy, so that is surprising. Offensively, though, not surprising at all. Matt Canada may be the worst offensive coordinator in the league, and if Mike Tomlin is going to be fired or is on the hot seat, it's only because he has had faith in Matt Canada for this damn long. I don't know why Mike Tomlin's on. I don't know if he's got pictures of Mike Tomlin doing something shady. I don't know what he's got on Mike Tomlin. But Matt Canada does not need to be the offensive coordinator. I'll give you this stat. I keep giving it every week because it continues to be a really astoundingly stunning stat. (laughs) The streak continues. Steelers have now gone 39 straight games under Matt Canada without gaining at least 400-plus yards. During that span, other teams have gained 400-plus yards 295 times or nine-and-a-half times per team. The Steelers had 225 yards versus the Texans. Uh, They've been under 300 yards in three of the four games this year. He's terrible. Yeah, he's bad. And I don't know why Mike Tomlin continues to lean on him as the coordinator. That's crazy. Well, let me say, 
surprise. I, I thought if Houston was going to win that game, it was going to be like nine to six, right? For everything you're saying about how bad their offense is and Houston's defense has been good, for Houston to put 450 passing yards or total yards on Pittsburgh, yeah, that's not good. at home, that was really stunning to me, and it's it's encouraging for Houston fans and Steeler fans have to be a little bit uh, frustrated. My count's got to go. Yes. And, and right now, through four weeks, not to snap Judge, but uh, Baltimore looks like clearly the best team in that division. Because Cincinnati's got well, Cincinnati's got to hurt Joe Burrow. Right. Cleveland's now got to hurt Deshaun Watson, and Pittsburgh just doesn't look that good. You just gave the Matt Canada stats, mm. and um, now Baltimore's got to own that loss at home to the Colts last week, which came out of nowhere because the Colts aren't very good. Uh, but either way, uh, some surprising stuff. Cowboys just dominating, unbelievable. Houston all of a sudden can play some dominating football. That's back to back wins. And think about it for Houston: they beat Jacksonville on the road, and now come home and beat Pittsburgh. Couple of uh, really good teams, we think. But uh, so Houston putting themselves in that conversation, even amidst the injuries. Coming back, Rod takes us behind the BOC. Uh, we'll also uh, get you some off the record topics before the end of this hour. It's a Monday. Glad you're with us. Good, bad, and ugly on Hook 'em Up. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. halfway through our five-hour extravaganza this morning so we are at the turn if you play golf right you're nine holes in you got nine holes to go we're halfway through two and a half hours in two and a half hours to go to 11 o'clock and a lot to do between now and then including rod taking us behind the burn orange curtain and uh, uh, the autopsy of a 40 to 14 longhorn beatdown of kansas another double-digit win over a ranked opponent that's two now on the resume longhorns uh, still number three in the ap poll but did add about uh, 10 first-place votes this week and gaining on Michigan, the number 2 team in the country. For the top of the hour, we'll go off the record with some topics, including uh, what went on there in Rome. How about the Americans' Ryder Cup drought will reach 34 years at least after Zach Johnson, Captain Zach Johnson's team, couldn't overcome their historically awful start to the 44th edition of the uh, the Ryder Cup matches, and they lose uh, outside Rome. There was all kinds of off-the-record hijinks going on, too. Reports of Hatgate with Patrick Cantlay. Also almost a fight in the parking lot with Roy McElroy and uh, Patrick Cantlay's caddy. How about that? You like the pettiness, Rod. You like the pettiness at the turn, right? Where maybe there's some... Uh, oh, yeah. It's good, man. Oh. It, yes, it brings some interest. Like uh, good petty. Yeah, well, it's it, it's no good because I'm a, I'm a proud American, right? Stars and stripes all the way. But I even find myself rooting for the Euros because they seem to get along and the camaraderie and the joy in which they play. And Americans are like, Patrick Cantlay wants to get paid. And <laughs> Everybody wants to get paid now, man. Somebody's sick. No one straight cash, homie. Even Brooks Kepka. Brooks Kepka was asked that afterwards. Guy. He was asked, you know, you know, all of these guys would say if they were asked, you know, if you had if you had to win one match to win the Ryder Cup, how many of these players would want it? Actually, want that pressure to be the one. And uh, Brooks Kepka said, "Very few, 
Very few. Mm. He didn't name any names. He just said very few. He doesn't think. And it feels like Roy McIlroy wanted it. Uh, you know, John Rahm wanted the pressure. They want that smoke. They want that smoke. And that's mm-hmm. why we say at the turn um, that, you know, the, 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 the Ryder Cup swung on a bad start for USA, obviously, and a great start for Europe. But in, just like in, their, in, the, in the Cotton Bowl coming up on Saturday, Rod, the best players on your team have to play really good in this game. It's a player's game. Um, both teams, uh, everyone agreed that the USA had a deeper 12-person 12 12 roster of quality players, but both teams had three top six players mm-hmm. in the world. Both had three. And without a doubt, over the three days, the European trio dominated the American counterparts. Victor Hovland, John Rahm, and Rory McIlroy blitzed Scotty Scheffler, Patrick Cantlay, and Xander Shoffley, and it wasn't close. Those three golfers, Hovland, Rahm, and McIlroy, went 9-2-3 and three on the weekend. It's got to come to, Got to come ready to play. And they took it right to the Americans. Mm-hmm. I mean, Scotty Scheffler's the number one player in the world. Um, but... You know, their their three best outplayed your three best. And, you know, Zach Johnson's captain's picks weren't too hot either. But uh, yep. either way, it was, about. it was impressive. Uh, but we're looking – go ahead, Brian. Like, no, it just sounds like uh, – because you're talking about basically the, the makeup of the, te- the team, the, the Team USA, they were supposed to have better overall – Roster. Well, you know, playing football, Rod. If your if your best guys are having a bad day, everybody gets a little scared. Like, Ew. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but see, as you said, so the captains. I, I wonder how much does team chemistry and continuity play a role in who you pick. I think you're right for these teams, right? And I wonder. Well, remember if, the first, the top six qualify. Just taking like the top guys. That's not considering chemistry or continuity at all. You just like I'll right. oh, take top guys. Well, Zach Johnson will be criticized because you know you, six automatically qualify. There's nothing the captain can okay. do about that. Yeah. And then six you pick. And the six, and he, the six picked, he picked, weren't, well, the top three I'm talking about were already qualified, but okay. the other th- six, you know, he could have taken Dustin Johnson, and he didn't, who was a great Ryder Cup hero at Whistling mm-hmm. Straits. He could have taken Keegan Bradley over a Ricky Fowler, and there was also talk that, that there were some, you know, flu-like symptoms going around the team and whatnot, whatever. Um, excuses. They, excuses. Come on, man. Can't be sick for the big game. Hey, Rod, tell them about Bud Light, and then we're dropping into the burn orange curtain. Uh, oh, man, what's not to tell? Had um, myself a great week, of course. Uh, added a new member to the family. Got a chance to celebrate. And in time we celebrate, uh, we celebrate by toasting to tomorrow with a beautiful Bud Light. America's favorite game, America's favorite beer. Enjoyed some nice Bud Light and football this past weekend, whether it be college football or the NFL. Uh, you need to make sure that you're always keeping the fridge stocked with Bud Light, especially for all your tailgating festivities. It is the perfect tailgating beverage, um, but also it is the perfect beer for all of your watch parties. Your NFL watch parties, uh, your college football watch parties. Still my go-to beer for Longhorn tailgates on Saturdays and NFL Sundays. Nothing better than enjoying America's favorite game and America's favorite beer. So make sure if you want to be the life of the party, you bring more Bud Light to the party. Uh, and there will be plenty of party happening this weekend. My man E. Hogan will be down there in Dallas. We'll have our watch party. We'll give you more details about that. But either way, you know that if we want to keep the good times going, you got to keep the Bud Light flowing. And there will be lots of Bud Light flowing uh, this weekend. So make sure you keep your fresh stock with Bud Light, the world's number one selling light beer made by Texans for Texans and damn proud of it. And they were all asking themselves the same question. What is behind that curtain? All right, uh, let's talk some uh, Texas, Kansas, and then of course all the rest of the week will be previewing the Texas-Oklahoma matchup. A couple of things I want to get into here. I know some people on the specs, uh, on the text line have been talking about the um, the deep ball that Texas gave up, and the Texas has given up the deep ball 
in, you know, a few games this year. They've been susceptible to it. Bama, Baylor uh, game. They also were susceptible to the deep ball. And, of course, Kansas got them a big uh, uh, deep touchdown via the air. Uh, it's one of the only things they worked for them. Here's why I'm not freaking out about it is because it hasn't been a systemic, consistent issue, like every game throughout the entire game. Teams are just finding spots to pick on Texas. And basically what's happening is they're picking on the safeties Yep. most of the time, right? Look at most of those deep balls. They've been picking on safety. Now, it's basically the safeties are Ryan Watts. That's what it comes down to. Now, Ryan Watts dealt with an injury, too. Yeah, he we left the field. Yeah, we don't know the extent of that. Miro Malik, 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 Malik Muhammad comes in, and he plays the boundary corner for them. I'll just say this. As a cornerback, I think Malik Muhammad actually is a better natural cover guy. Um, than Ryan Watts and his technique at the line of scrimmage and press, it's uh, it's comparable. Like it's not that's not a huge drop off in the the press technique at the line of scrimmage. And like I said, I think Malik Muhammad is a nat- a better natural cover guy and he's a better ball hawk. The only thing he's missing is experience. He's a young player, so he doesn't have the experience that have the reps. So yes, he probably could be prone to some mental errors or something like that. Teams may pick on him. But that's in terms of skill set wise, there's not a huge drop off there. As a matter of fact, you could argue that Malik Muhammad is probably on a better uh, rate of development, a better trajectory. So I wouldn't worry about that as much. And they've been rotating those corners. They've been rotating. They like Gavin Holmes. Um, they like him. He's actually playing some bump and run on and on the field side, which is something the coaches wanted to do. Even when Deshaun Jameson was here, but they didn't think he had the skill set for it. He was better as a zone coverage, field corner, triangulating, right? The number one, number two receiver to the quarterback. Oh, by the way, shout out to Deshaun Jameson, who had a great play. Um, they the had Niners, a, yeah, they had, over the Carolina the Panthers. Yeah, the Panthers had a pick six, and he didn't get the pick six. But he actually came down and mollywhopped Kirk Cousins, who was trying to make I a hustle that. play. Oh, he just laid Kirk Cousins out. I don't know why Kirk Cousins decided. Kirk Cousins should have just, come on, it's good. Show you're going to hustle, and then at the last minute, nobody will be mad at Kirk Cousins if he decided, all right, I'm, I'm the quarterback. I just wanted to show I was going to hustle, but I'm not truly going to try to make the play. Kirk Cousins tried to make the play, and Deshaun Jameson made him pay. <laughs> and I think he was back and that was a horrible throw. Yeah, it was. I guess Across he felt bad himself. Mark. Mac <laughs> Jones thought that was a bad throw. <laughs> uh, but Deshaun Jameson, so shout out to him. But anyway, getting back to it, um, the deep ball, it, like I said, it, it is something you're going to have to defend versus Oklahoma. We'll get into it. They're really good at it. Dylan Gabriel. It's one of his uh, best assets as a quarterback. Um, but for the defense, it, it's, it's specific, um, I think, combinations of players they're picking on. And I think Texas could remedy that just by, honestly, he just kind of tightening the rotations back there. Yeah. They got a very loose rotation of guys. I'm not saying these aren't good players who are earning reps, but in some of these big games, especially Oklahoma, where you know they're going to attack you, I, you know, Keaton Crawford, that's who, you know, they went after Keaton Crawford uh, on that deep ball Kansas did. Um, you know, Ryan Watts is one of your starting players, but uh, Taft is a good player for him. But we saw Baylor go after Taft a little bit. So I just wonder if you'll, you'll tighten some of those rotations and maybe that'll keep teams from situationally trying to pick on certain combinations of players, which is what I think they're doing. Because remember, Kansas, they did, they did up-tempo for that deep ball. They saw something. They, they ran the ball, and they saw they went up-tempo and saw something, and then they went hurry-up, and then, boom, took that shot. And yeah. I think that's because they're trying to keep uh, EDs combinations of players on the field and say, no, no, I don't want to go against Catalan or this guy. I'd rather go against this player, which is that's just smart game planning and smart football. So I wouldn't freak out about it, but, yeah, it, it, could, it could come back to hunt you in the Oklahoma game if you don't take care of it. And I'll talk about ways that Texas can remedy that issue throughout the week. Anyway, let's talk about Texas and Kansas a little bit more. So – 
One unfortunate storyline coming out of that game was that JT Sanders uh, dealt with an injury. It's not structural, so he's going to deal with some training sessions, and he'll be available, probably not going to be at 95 to 90%, probably going to be talking closer to 80 Five, maybe seventy-five percent. Still, you talk about the second best tight end in the country. Right. So, and the biggest matchup nightmare for Texas uh, on the offensive side of the ball. So he left or got the injury around late in the first quarter, maybe early second quarter. And Sark, what he decided to do to supplement that productivity uh, was bring in what he calls the what they what they call the Big Twelve package, and it's essentially an extra offensive lineman, the six O line package. And Sark's been running it ever since last season. We've been keeping, I've been keeping track of it. From the time that, from my notes, that game versus Kansas was the most snaps, most reps of the 6 0 line Big 12 package, as they call it. And Malik Albo is that sixth offensive lineman. Pro Football Focus has him logged with 22 snaps. Um, that would be the most for him, but that's the most snaps of the 6 0 line package. And here's the, the beauty of it because that package presents defenses. With a conundrum because you're putting, I think Texas averages around 325 pounds on the O line per man, something like that. I mean, when you put a sixth offensive lineman out there, considering the big humans mantra for Sark, yep. you're talking about close to 2,000 pounds of mass <laughs> and girth on the line of scrimmage. You have to answer that. You have to respond to that as a defense. You cannot just let that let that 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 lineup, right? Let that formation. You cannot let them just line up and just mash you and play bully ball. You have to respond to it. And usually the response is to overwhelmingly stack the box because they got six O linemen. What it's led to is Texas having favorable one on one matchups on the outside. Only way you can load the box is to have some one-on-one matchups on the outside. And we know Texas presents you already prior to the 6-0 line package with a mathematical equation you cannot solve because you can't roll coverage and double X-man, keep a safety on the top of JT Sanders, and put eight in the box to stop this run game now with Jonathan Brooks uh, running, uh, you know, like, <laughs> running, like, running like he's mad at the grass, right. which essentially, and playing at a high level. So... Right now, Texas, in if you just look at the passing stats out of the 6-0 line package, they're pretty good running the football all year long. Based on my notes, Texas is averaging, uh, you look at just the rushes uh, right now, they're averaging close to five, 5.6 yards per carry, a little over 5.5 yards per carry, which is really good. But they're getting better in the last three weeks. Last three weeks, they're really starting to find their groove with this 6-0 line package, and I think we just kind of hit the the zenith of that uh, at that package and that uh, personnel grouping versus Kansas in the last they in the last three weeks when they run 6-0 line packages, they're averaging over 13 yards per attempt <laughs> uh, in the last three weeks, and they're averaging if you go look at yards per play in the last three weeks, they're averaging. Eight over eight yards per play in the last three weeks out of the six O line package, six yards per carry. That is extremely productive because if teams don't want to match your mass at the at the line of scrimmage in the box, you just run on them. I mean, hell, you got you guys there. You got almost two thousand pounds of man there. Over two thousand pounds when you include the actual tight end Gunner Helm, you can just run it down teams' throats because you're the biggest O line in the Big Twelve. 
But if they don't match you and they decide, hey, man, we got to worry about the long developing routes downfield to X-Men, they're going to have extra time to throw. Okay, if you do that, then you you know, then Texas can decide, all right, they're just going to run it down your throat. If you do match them, you give them one-on-ones yeah. on the back end, and you that's definitely a recipe for disaster. So like I said, it's almost a pick-your-poison scenario. You want to match our numbers in the box? Great. X-Men, A.D. Mitchell, they'll eat. If you want to devote numbers to the passing game, well, we got 2,000 pounds of human being up here, so uh, our girth and our mass will just play bully ball all day. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it is, you know, a, a conundrum that is, is it solvable, right? If your quarterback's not going to turn the ball over and you're going to be Georgia, consistent. maybe. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> right. that's right. So I mean, there are a few rosters that can solve it. Michigan, yeah, Michigan maybe. Michigan, Michigan. Yeah. Uh, because they can match up man-to-man and win some of those battles yeah. more than they get beat. Like, you know, Kansas had no answer. And I love that, that – you know, Quinn Ewers, the one thing that, that really stood out to me Saturday was just how comfortable he's getting. Mm-hmm. He, we don't see those plays where he just looks confused or lackadaisical, uh, thinking too much. I mean, he was just decisive, stepping into throws, understanding, okay, X-Man's getting the roll coverage. That means, you know, playing against that high high safety X-Man. I mean, how many of, of A.D. Mitchell's balls were calling these little crossing routes? Oh, yeah. Coming mm-hmm. under the safety and over top of the linebackers. Yep. And uh, Quinn was just, you know, rifling it through the window and really good throws. I agree. That's the kind of stuff that, man. And then his ability is to take off and run. And his ability to show the legs, that's... Uh, that's a yeah. new element there, man. That just makes... You talk about... So, so I get to see a defensive coordinator watching the film going, oh, damn. Come on, exactly. <laughs> like, I'm worried about defending all of these options in the passing game. X-Man, A.D. Mitchell, J.T. Sanders, and now the running game, which is potent. And now you're telling me on top of that, this dude, when the play breaks down, can just decide to take and run? House calls. At a reasonably... Actually, reasonably athletic. Yeah. Like, he looks pretty good. That, he, look, he, he looks comfortable. Yeah, man. Shout out South Oak Cliff track and field, baby. Man, this getting going. Uh, or South Oak Cliff. I mean, uh, oh, South Lake Carroll. I'm going to say South, South Lake Oak Cliff. That would have been something. South Lake Carroll, a little bit <laughs> than South Oak Cliff. No, hey, that's right. He did run track. Okay, we come back. Let's get some off-the-record topics, including, yes, Taylor Swift. Also, uh, some of that hijinks from the Ryder Cup. It's getting petty. There was almost a fight in the parking lot. You can't beat that. Golf and <laughs> fights. Like, what are we, at Onion Creek Club or Let's something? Let's get Give petty, me a break. baby. All right, we're back. Hook them up with Ian Rodney. D.D. Mega Doodoo, I'm sorry, Mangudu. Once it's turned on, the sign will spell out Delhi Cat Essen. Well, well, I don't get a break my head comb. Congratulations. Continue good sex in the the Big East. Thank you, Jimmy. And boom goes the dynamite. It's time for another edition of Off the Record. Do it live. I'll write it and we'll do it live. And thing sucks. Never sucks going off the record. Some stories maybe you missed from your weekend, but you'll be talking about today because uh, you know your coworkers and other people will be talking about them. It's going to happen. Oh yeah, um, including this. Everybody we talk about, including Ty. By the way, Ty had to leave this morning. He's feeling a little bit under the weather. We hope the best for him. For sure, but uh, he'll get he'll get to doing better. But uh, if you're a fan of fast food like Ty is, our producer now is uh, our man Cole. Cole Dixon is in the house. Cole, are you are you a big fan of fast food? Uh, a little bit, yeah. The McRib. The McRib <laughs> no. is oh, returning no. to McDonald's after Ugh. its one-year farewell tour. A, a fake piece of pork that um, looked like Rod Baber's abs back in the day. You know, no, just man. like chisels on your, your stomach. That thing, I mean, <laughs> I've never had it. I've never even. Does the McRib, does it have any, is it all meat? 
I don't know what it is. It is, is it like Process a rib? Does it stuff? have actual like a bone oh, in the rib? The, the McRib's like now like a George Strait or something. George Strait, remember he did his big farewell tour? Now mm-hmm. last tour, come see George Strait one more time. He's done Can't that like do three it. times. They did it like a farewell tour for the McRib, and now it's back. Because like, no, they know people love it. I know. Well, you people. can't do like a farewell tour and then bring it back. Hey, yeah, you can. People, Marketing. People keep falling for it, you can. <laughs> and they fall for it. I don't well, know. I just don't think it's... How can a McRib be good? Have you tasted it, Cole? You tasted this I've thing? never had it. And you've never had it either? Uh, no, I have not. Damn it. I, I know, this is always a rule at my house with my kids. I was like, well, you, 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 they would try to get them to mm. eat something they didn't want to eat. Well, you guys, you can't say you don't like it if you never tried it. you got to at least try it. Then they, they'd eat it and they go, <laughs> The gag reflex. Oh, yeah. Ugh. They could call on that. What do you have rotten off the record? Uh, have, okay, you've heard of uh, rally cats and, you know, there are different rally uh, symbols rally cats, all across, caps, yep. yeah, all across uh, sports, no matter what they are. So apparently now in Denver, they're talking about rally sleeves. Did you see Sean Payton? While his team was uh, down 21 points, he ended up cutting his sleeves of his, uh, I guess, for some reason, it wasn't Belichick-like where he went sleeveless, but he basically made his long sleeve into a short sleeve, and he had him cut them, like, on the sideline. Like, they cut his sleeves on the sideline, teams down 21 points. After they cut the sleeves, his team scored 24 and answered points and made a great comeback. As a matter of fact, the Denver Broncos, Overcame a 21-point deficit. It marked the second 21-point second-half comeback uh, win this year in the NFL. The Giants did it in Week 2. But that's crazy. And now they're, like, making it a thing. They're saying they want to see his rally sleeves all the time. Broncos country, let's ride. Let's ride. Yeah. Apparently he was aggravated, cut the sleeves off, made a long sleeve, a short sleeve. Boom. Rally sleeves, baby. Done deal. Now you can sell them in the shops. But they, they need a little bit more than rally sleeves with Denver. Even though, at least they found a way to beat Chicago. They beat Chicago. Well, that, 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 that game battle of the was bottom the battle feeders. of the battle the, of the bottom feeders, the, man. The horribleness. <laughs> it was so bad. Like, like, the, like, remember Denver the week ago gave up seventy points. Seventy. Embarrassed. Mm-hmm. And then in the like, J- Justin Fields hadn't been able to move the ball on anybody this year, but in the first half they scored four touchdowns. Ball down. Like they made Justin Fields look like, you know, Peyton Manning or something. <laughs> And then, okay, then, then they got some pride, I guess, because they cut their sleeves off. Then they start coming back. And then in the end, in the bowl of horror, horribleness, ju- the coach for the Bears, Matt Eberflus, lost his mind and didn't went for it on fourth down instead of kicking a field goal at home to take the lead. Yeah. And then Justin Fields turned into Justin Fields and fumbled a ball. And golly, that game. Hey, the Bears got the number one, number two pick right now, man. They got some. They got some cash draft capital, right? Aren't they balling right now? Yeah. They, they look. They like. They may win the tankathon. Balling on a budget. They might win the tankathon, man. Oh, right. I love the texter. One says the Meg Rib is trash. The other says the Meg Rib is the bomb. Back to back text. Somebody <laughs> says I've always called the McRib the McGristle. <laughs> yeah, Ugh. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't eat that. No. By the way, on the Ryder Cup far- parking lot fight, that was there was talk that. Uh, Rory McIlroy was so mad because uh, can't, Patrick Cantlay's caddy's guy named Joe LaCava, and he's this knucklehead New York guy. And, and, and um, no, seriously, so Cantlay, without his hat on, because he re- apparently refused to wear the hat because he was protesting not getting paid to be there, he nails this long putt to beat Rory in this single in a match. They beat him. And he's twirling his hat, and uh, LaCava's getting all excited. And then he got in his line. Like, he's, he still had a birdie putt, Rory did. Oh, no. And he's in his line. He wouldn't move. 
And apparently they almost ended up at the parking lot and had to be broken up by Shane Lowry. I love it. I love it, man. WWEification. Of golf. Of golf. All sports. Oh, man. Uh, Playing for your country and your, your countrymen. We'll be back.